Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we're talking to Keith Richards and Sinesh Dar. In this episode of the podcast, we're joined by Keith Richards, Managing Director of Engagement at the CII and CEO of the Personal Finance Society, along with Sinesh Dar, CII Regional Director for the South Asia Region. Here we are discussing the regulatory landscape of the insurance profession, both in the UK and internationally and how leveraging reform can have a positive impact on the industry overall. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's our conversation with Keith and Sinesh. A very warm welcome to both of you, and uh, thank you for joining us today on CII Radio. Thank you, Luke. Excellent. Great to have you with us. Um, So, Keith, if perhaps we could begin with you, um, in terms of regulation, are we like to see more um, uniformity of regulatory standards across international insurance markets? That's a really good uh, starting question, Luke. The, uh, we're already seeing that. Uh, the world has become a much smaller place, not least because of digital, but also the sharing of good practice is not now unique just to businesses or professions. Regulators equally share their experiences, challenges. In most parts of the world, we see that there is growth, in particular in the life or investment side. And uh, whilst there's positive prospects for general insurance uh, and insurance more broadly, there's equally degrees of consolidation. So that brings different dynamics with it and regulators clearly are required to make sure that they're on top of uh, any regulatory reform or changes or expansion in markets to make sure that they are protecting the best interests of the consumer. Okay. And what do regulators see as their core objectives um, in the supervision of these markets? Yeah, this is always an interesting one because I think most people that work in financial services and insurance would see regulation as just trying to protect public interest. When, of course, that is a, a fundamental part of any policing or supervision of markets. So, yes, uh, yeah. so we shouldn't underestimate that is a primary purpose of the role. But actually, overarching objective is not dissimilar to ours. So as a professional body with a royal charter, our core objective through qualification, technical competence and behaviours is around improving public confidence and trust. So interestingly enough, that's what the regulators should be doing. Mm, So good regulation should encourage the public to have greater confidence and trust to engage in the insurance and financial services market. And that often is misunderstood. So regulation sometimes feels like it might have the opposite. But I would say regulators' primary role is to give the public the confidence to engage in markets. Absolutely. Sanesh, if we could perhaps bring you in um, at this point, would you be able to give us perhaps a brief overview of the regulatory landscape in India and Bangladesh? Well, uh, there is a lot of similarity to the way India and Bangladesh insurance regulatory environment has evolved. And for that matter, most of the neighboring countries in the South Asia region. Uh, Let's look at India first, because it's led the way in uh, developing the environment and uh, doing a lot of things which other regulators across the region have picked up. The Insurance Regulatory and Development Authority, the IRDA, was set up in 1999, just about two decades back at Hyderabad in the south of India. 
And as the name suggests, it plays a dual role of supervision and regulation apart from also being responsible for the development activities of the industry. A lot has happened since then. Initially, when it was set up, it was all about creating the right environment to invite foreign companies to come in and set up things which will be better for the customer. But over the years, as the number of companies has grown, and we have today about 58 life and non-life companies operating in India, apart from two reinsurance ones. The recent changes in 2015, as you may be aware, the 26% FDI, foreign direct investment cap, was hiked up to 49%. And recently in the last budget, the finance minister of India has proposed 100% foreign direct investment in the insurance subsidiary segment. That will all mean that a great number of companies will come into India, increase more responsibility uh, with the regulator to do things right, to set a level playing field, to uh, you know make sure there are no biases, also to create the right environment to grow. The future looks especially promising simply because penetration in India is quite low. And Mm. with such a low base, you know, for the next many years, India can record high double-digit growth. And demographic factors such as growing middle class, young insurable population, growing awareness for the need of protection and retirement planning, in addition to rising financial literacy in the country, new innovations in terms of products, all these things mean uh, that the regulator has to be, uh, you know, really linked up to what's happening in the market. Coming to Bangladesh now, much of the story is quite similar over there. It's just a few years ahead. Uh, okay. India is a few years ahead of Bangladesh. But the fact is that the regulator, although the name sounds quite similar, it's now the Insurance Development and Regulatory Authority, the IDRA of Bangladesh, set up in 2010, faced a similar kind of challenge in environment to India. But however, there are a couple of points which i like to make out here, which have led to a bit more challenging task Mm. in front of them. A large number of uh, insurance companies exist, but the fact is that there's a huge shortage of technically qualified people, you know, servicing the industry. So whether that's actuaries, underwriters, risk managers, you know, there's need to really develop them more. The growth of the industry and the introduction of more complex products into the marketplace has developed a necessity to address the technical skill gap, all of that, which we are trying to address ourselves. Fantastic. So there are, there are, as you say, some challenges, but certainly some, a lot of positives to take as well. If we could perhaps move into what the Chartered Insurance Institute has been doing with regulators in, in India and Bangladesh, um, um, could I ask you both what kind of impact um, the CII has had on the overall profession in, in each of these countries? Well, uh, just, uh, you know, focusing on what we did with India first, because we have been working very closely with the regulator for the last 10 years. And uh, one thing which we are all very proud of, that the IRDA in India is the only regulator in the world, possibly, to have its own specially designed school, the Institute of Insurance and Risk Management set up at Hyderabad. And CII works very closely in developing young talent for the industry over there, apart from uh, also setting the standards for the institute in terms of what they do. And the biggest piece of work that we did in India in the year 2010, the regulator really felt the need to be able to develop a higher quality agent, giving better quality advice to the end customer, especially in the financial services segment. So the CII was actually awarded a contract to enhance and develop the license to practice mandatory life agent examination qualification, the IC33. We did that. Impact was phenomenal. In about 
about uh, three years that the contract lasted, more than three million agents actually took up this qualification and actually came out in a much more informed and aware manner to basically lift standards and help raise the overall professional standards which existed. As far as Bangladesh is concerned, again, we've been regularly in touch. In fact, Keith has been involved in a lot of these engagements and discussions across the board with the regulator and the general. You may be aware that Bangladesh is in the middle of major economic reform with a lot of funding coming in from the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. And at the moment, there is a very legitimate plan to basically upgrade a lot of things which exist in the market. Recently, the regulator in Bangladesh, the IDRA, submitted and issued a terms of reference where they have invited proposals for people to come in and help them raise standards and especially for the CII. We are really happy to learn that the regulator has also sent out a clear communication to the insurance industry there where they have advised everybody to actually take up the CII qualifications with special focus on the ACII in order to develop the much lacking uh, skills and levels of competence which the industry is facing right now. So um, in both ways we have done quite a bit. Keith, would you like to add to that? Yeah, absolutely. So just to add to uh, what Sanesh has already pointed out, we are working with both the Indian uh, regulators and more specifically the Bangladesh government and regulator at the moment. Both countries are optimistically looking at growth potential uh, and with that obviously you do need some degree of regulation that makes sure that it's done in a way that's conducive with the best consumer outcomes. What is happening actually around the world is that we are quite engaged with a number of regulatory authorities. Clearly in the UK we're very actively involved with both uh, regulators here and indeed with the government itself. Place like Middle East, we're working with regulatory bodies uh, who themselves are recognising the need to provide or increase technical competence throughout the region. So CII qualifications, for example, are not just about a qualification for the sake of it. Often they lead to improving people's performance in the role, attracting new talent. So if you're in a market that's optimistically looking for growth, Naturally, uh, you need new people to come in, otherwise that growth will be stifled. So regulators themselves recognise that without the necessary skills for the market, it's going to be very difficult to grow. So uh, we are very actively working now with a number of regulatory bodies, including in parts of uh, Asia Pacific and indeed more recently just China. So this is a really important matter on the agenda of most regulatory bodies. So India were quite unique in leading the way at setting up their own school. But actually other bodies do have departments uh, that form part of a regulatory body. So in places like Singapore, for example, the Singapore College, although it looks independent, is actually an extension of the Monetary Authority of Singapore. So it's quite universal now. These sort of things, back to a previous point, do regulators share good practice? Absolutely. Do they look at common challenges? Absolutely. You know, are we now starting to see a lot of commonality around the importance of improving technical competence and professional standards across the world? Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, Sinesh, if I could come back to you, you did touch on um, how this is all kind of connected with also talent talent management and qualifications in kind of India and Bangladesh. Um, would you be able to expand slightly on, on how else you're working to improve professional standards um, across the industry and in your regions? Absolutely. Uh, you see, in recent years, 
The entire South Asia region has seen an increasing focus on improving professional standards across financial planning and insurance in particular. We have been working with a lot of local institutes, colleges, universities, educational and distribution partners, various life and non-life companies, broking houses, and you know, most of the important constituents which make up the insurance marketplace. Over the years, you know, lots of conferences, roundtable discussions, engagements in different forums have happened in the region, especially for, uh, you know, mainly centered in India, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. Mm. I can give you a recent example, you know, in the month of May in Mumbai, we had held a roundtable discussion inviting most of the human resources heads and other decision makers in insurance companies. Okay. Uh, and uh, basically the theme was unlocking your talent. The discussion which happened actually pointed out to something which has stayed quite consistent over the last decade, which is clearly areas of skill shortage, talent gap and talent mobility. I mean, that's something which is concerning most of the insurance companies in the region. A lot of debate happened, a lot of engagement happened, but everybody sort of agreed and something which we are driving forward that the best ways to attract and retain talent is actually to help develop them to higher levels of thinking and understanding in the insurance marketplace and some of the ways to address the challenge is to be able to provide opportunities of skill and knowledge enhancement to employees, staff, even uh, you know other associated uh, agents and members through professional qualifications and membership, a proposition which we really bring to the table. Typically, this is one side of it and another smaller side, which is not really small but could be really large, is the side which is not looking at insurance. It's a very large part of, you know, young people as they move upwards and study, they don't really opt for insurance as, as a primary profession that they would like to pursue, right, especially say, yeah. in our region. So they're suffering, uh, you know, the um, uh, legacy of the past and uh, a lot of engagement, especially for these young people at schools and colleges is actually helping showing the way forward. Keith, some within the insurance profession as a whole can feel that um, regulators introduce barriers and costs which can have a negative effect um, on the industry. What is your take on that? And how could you say that kind of regulators and markets could work together perhaps more effectively in, in future? Yeah, it's the uh, often referred to as the unintended consequence of regulation. Uh, right. You see where regulators recognise deficiencies in the market. Equally, they recognise that it doesn't apply to every firm or every individual. But the problem is with regulation, it comes in at the lowest common denominator. So by definition, good firms are naturally impacted. So we can't deny that the need for regulatory reform doesn't have an unintended consequence because it does. So firms that are performing well that haven't got the same deficiencies. So you don't get different levels or layers of regulation. You get rules and principles. So by definition, I think we have to accept as a sector that good firms will be impacted unnecessarily by regulation. But there's no way of differentiating. You can't create layers of regulation or standards. So we have to live with that. And it's how you leverage it and how you approach it. So working with regulators more proactively means that it's likely that the market can have a bit more of an influence on the future direction of travel. What often happens in some markets is, you're quite right, Luke, many people working in a commercial environment often feel that regulation is a hurdle, a barrier, a cost, it inhibits opportunity. But frankly, if you have that view, the chances are it comes across to the regulator that that's your view. Right. So, so that in itself doesn't help build the right kind of relationship with regulatory bodies. And therefore, my recommendation when I speak at different parts of the world 
is we must collectively go to our regulators, ask them what it is they're worried about, and then work out as a sector, as an industry, as a profession, what we can do to address those concerns. Because if you demonstrate that you're interested in addressing the concerns a regulator has, sometimes it's perception rather than reality. So the problem for many of us who've worked in insurance for many years, we've kind of always felt that we work for a good company, but maybe others down the road aren't operating to the same standard. The problem is everyone who works for every company feels the same. So none of us do anything different because it's not relevant to our company. So regulators often have no option but to force change on the market. So there is opportunity of learning. So it's not just regulators who share good practice. What we can do is help to avoid the unintended consequences that is a natural byproduct of regulatory reform feeling like it's stifling business opportunity or increasing cost. And therefore, actually, what we need to do now is use factual experience of the past. Markets are developing rapidly. India, other parts of South Asia have a really bright future ahead as some of these economies are are growing fast. And insurance and financial services will play a key role in those economies going forward. So, uh, But they can't be achieved without the right level of standards being in place. Otherwise, regulation will have to cut in to try to control that growth in a way that doesn't harm the public. Absolutely. Now, the CIA has had its uh, physical presence in South, uh, the South Asia region for more than 12 years now. Sinesh, how has the organisation and, in fact, the professional landscape changed in that time? And how important are learning and qualifications um, in that as well? Well, uh, the only thing in life which is a constant is change itself. And uh, yes, yes. the CII actually has had a significant relationship with the South Asia region since CII was formed. You know, inception has yes, been yeah. more than 100 years. 12 years, uh, we've had physical presence there. And a lot of changes uh, at the beginning, as Keith mentioned, you know, the role of technology is certainly making a change. I would uh, say that media, the tremendous media scrutiny at the moment and growing awareness and a very demanding customer is putting enough pressure on insurance companies and also, uh, you know, the regulator to make sure that the customer stays protected. So actually, with the way basic needs are evolving. The whole spectrum is changing. And also, in particular in South Asia, driven with India being at the core, there is a lot of transition and transformation towards social reform, apart from economic reform. So, I mean, I can just give you a small example about India. Mm. Uh, You know, uh, just a year back, uh, the biggest health protection scheme was launched in the world, something which protects 500 million Indians and a pretty decent coverage of $7,000. Relatively speaking, that's decent for India. So 500 million people have been insured. And that's just step one. The government is taking various steps in which to extend insurance to, uh, you know, the the, uh, uh, economically weak sections of society, to farmers, crop insurance. Now, all of these new things, as they're developing, also need the insurance education and training and learning to evolve and you know be dynamic enough to stay relevant to the whole purpose so uh, uh, that's exactly how we are engaging with our consumers with our customers with our partners and trying to see how we can help them develop solutions and learning methods for the market so uh, that's exactly i mean i can see that how companies have also changed and uh, they are being driven primarily by the need of the customer and the demands of the customer of course media plays a role out here and certainly government's initiatives in 
again, coming back to social reforms, is making an impact on insurance. Fantastic. So if I could perhaps um, finish by asking you both, um, quite generally, what, what role can professional qualifications play in raising public confidence and overall in, uh, raising trust in insurance as well? Yeah, it's fundamental. So I mean, I've been in insurance for over 35 years. Uh, I'm proud to have worked in insurance and have seen just how important a role it plays in society. There is a very positive outlook for the future, but we do need to improve the perception of the market. So public perception of insurance isn't where it deserves to be. And it often is based on assumptions that insurers will try to wriggle out of what they're doing, or the experience of dealing with people isn't always a good one. So we do need to address that, even if you work for an organisation where that's not true. The problem is perception is people's reality. So qualifications really can help to improve not only technical knowledge and competence, but actually it helps to improve performance. So if I was running a commercial entity now, I would very much be looking at qualifications, the raising of technical competence as actually helping to improve penetration of my clients, penetration of the market. So improving my P&L and profitability, but it also leads to improved client or customer experience and better customer outcomes. In itself, that demonstrates to the regulator how serious you take delivering the right level of uh, service to your customers and can result in lower levels of uh, regulatory intervention at some future point. So it has a fundamental role to play going forward. Absolutely. In fact, I would absolutely second all that Keith said. And, uh, you know, I just would like to mention out here, dealing with a lot of young people here in, uh, you know, partner institutes and other colleges that I go to, and wherein you have to accept the reality today that it's a different world. It's a world full of mobile phones and social media, and people actually spend a lot more time on, on, on themselves and their entertainment and their gaming. But the fact is that in the this age of modern information knowledge is power and information is liberating and if insurance and financial services sector actually has to prosper as a profession you have to ensure that collectively you put in place the fundamental building blocks of a profession which is appropriate qualifications code of ethics and continuous education something which we are all trying to do to our best of ability in the region and i'm very optimistic for the future excellent okay well um thank you to, to both of you for, for joining us today pleasure Luke. it's been excellent pleasure. having a an overview from a more in international perspective and um, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing that and, and find that of great interest so thank you for, for appearing on CII Radio Thank you You're welcome Thank you Thank you and to find out more you can visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts or you can follow us on Twitter at CII Group So until next time thank you for listening and goodbye Goodbye